This is Victory House. Michael's Conference 2020. For your glory. Celebrate God. What an amazing time. What an amazing time. Now listen, I love what Pastor Emmanuel said. You, your sound has got to be distinct in this season. We can allow fear to drown us. We will not fear. It's a commitment. You know, this morning, just to let you know, we are not careless. I had, we have a good, I mean, we have a good, in fact, we have medical doctors more than any other professionals in our church. So we had a meeting with a group of them. And some of them are top, med, I mean, physicians in the States. And we talked about precautions because we are not irresponsible. But at the same time, we refuse to subscribe to fear. Anybody with me? We refuse to what? Subscribe to fear. We will take all the precautions, but we will not live in fear. The devil is a liar. I said the devil is a liar. You know, my son is in a residential school. This morning, got a call like 4.30 a.m. As in, have some flu symptoms. I said, the devil, you are stupid. I left the boy at home. He's perfectly okay now. But you know, we could have been running around. Let's go test him. For what? No way. No way. No way. I want you to lift up your two hands and shout with everything you've got within you. We shall not fear. Oh, come on. Let me hear you shout it. Say, we shall not fear. Just about 40 minutes ago, I just got off call with Pastor Bayo. Pastor Bayo, the Holy of Jesus. We're talking about the same thing. We shall not fear. We, now, this is the time for the body of Christ to rise up. We refuse to be like those 10 fake leaders. You didn't get me. 10 what? Fake leaders. They were supposed to be leaders, but they were fake. They were only two authentic leaders. Joshua and what? Caleb. We refuse to be one of those 10 fake leaders who will see giants and forget promise. We know what God promised us. He promised us glory in this year not shame. He promised us glory this year, not Corona. Are you listening to me? That's what we hold on to. That's what we see. That's what we run with. We are running with the prophecy of God over our life, over a year, and over a decade. We shall not fear. It's a great decade. Come on, I say it's a great decade. I say it's a great decade. We will not be shut down. We, we, you know, one of, the, one of the best news I've had today is, you know, because we have a number of churches in Nigeria. So I called them today. I said, I've managing. said, there's no corona here. Although they have a natural explanation for it, but I believe it's more than natural. They say it just happened that coronavirus cannot survive the temperature of Nigeria. I'm serious. Even the only Italian confirmed case, she's is already confirmed free of corona now, as of today. Say, no corona here. Turn to him and say, there is no corona virus in my household. I don't agree with corona. I have no covenant with coronavirus. So I declare I am secured, protected, and defended. Come on, do you believe that? Come on, give God a shout. I came tonight in the spirit of faith. Anybody with me in the spirit of faith? 
we refuse to join the enemy in panic attack we rejoice in the lord god of our salvation this is a great year this is a good year we are not going down our economy is not going down our finances is not going down our career is not going down it's from glory to glory from testimony to testimony anybody ready for glory for your glory that's what this is all about for your glory before we have a seat ma'am when i walked in the spirit of the lord just directed me to you and the lord told me that you're an epitome of dedication and quietness for thus said the lord he said your season of reward will show forth can i lay hands on you in the name of jesus for your glory for your glory, that's it. For your glory. For your glory. Thank you, Lord. Lift up your hands and wave them to Jesus. Pastor, I had the Lord saying there, there are a few questions on your heart in this season. Because there's a transition in terms of a few things that the Lord has been drawing your heart towards. I had the Lord saying in the next few days, you will see the answers and they will be clear. And the decisions that you need to make, you will make them with clarity. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Can, can we celebrate Jesus? You may be seated. You may be seated. You know, I believe God planned tonight because interestingly enough, I didn't know I would be speaking. I just thought it was just yesterday. But when I was told like five that I have a session today, I was like, God. And right there, God gave me a message for you. And I'm going to go straight. Yesterday was prophetic primarily. And, you know, he continue at the Alewas of today. But today, mostly, is going to be instructional. And I'm going to be very quick. So I need you to write down or capture. If you have a bright, I mean, your mind is magnetic, capture it. But I want you to run quickly. Now, can we go to uh, the book of, uh, is it Mark now? Mark chapter, John, John chapter 11. John chapter 11 from verse 38. John chapter 11 from verse 38. Now, there was a story told there of a man by the name Lazarus who had a level of relationship with Jesus. How many of you know about Lazarus? Lazarus, not the poor one. A lot of people love to identify with the poor Lazarus. Or rather, identify with the rich Abraham. Oh, you didn't hear that? Because at the end of the day, he ended up in the bosom of what? The rich Abraham. That tells you Lazarus, poverty does not define the kingdom. His poverty was because of the way his mind was set. Because at the end of the day, he ended up in the bosom of a rich man. Don't you know what I say? Poverty does not equate to holiness. You serve God better when you are loaded. Money is not the problem. The love of money is the problem. Money is not the root of all evil, but the love of money. They are two different things. You can have money and not love it. In fact, I declare over you, that money is attracted to you. You can have money and not love it. And you cannot have money and love it. <laughs> it's possible not to have money and love it. So money is not a problem. So, but the Lazarus we're talking about here is the different Lazarus. The Lazarus that had a level of relationship with Jesus. And this man had been dead. Interesting enough, when he was sick, they brought the news to Jesus. They said, your friend that you love dearly is sick. What are you going to do about it? And he said, this sickness is not unto death. 
But interestingly enough, there, another report came that it's not just sick now, it's dead. But it's dead. The sickness is not unto death. And yet there was a report that he died. What do you call such report? Fake report. Because Jesus happens to be the truth. So it's impossible for the truth to lie. So if he said, this sickness is not unto death, and yet there's a report glaring that says he's dead. Who is right? It has to be the truth because it's the definition of the truth. Now the problem with us is that we see things on this plane, but there is a higher plane. There's a, the, you know, there the, the information released on the level of time. But there's a higher level of information which are released on the level of eternity. What God says originates from the realm of what eternity. And time came out of eternity. And time must bow to eternity. So whatsoever is appearing in time that does not align to what has been said over you in eternity. If you hold on to what was said in eternity, eventually what is happening in time will eventually bow to eternity. He said, it's not dead. They said, it's been buried for four days. In fact, by the time he instructed them to take the, waste, the stone away, Mary, Mary said, he's already stinking. Said, you don't get it. I said, he's not dead. He looks dead, but he's not dead. And he went on to say something in verse 40. He says, if you believe, and I've come to declare over you prophetically in this conference, if you believe, in spite of what they are saying in the media, in spite of what your company is saying, in spite of what the economy around you is saying, if you believe, you will see. Oh, God told me to tell you, say, I have a covenant of glory with you. Oh, who is this for? I said, I have a what? A God sent me to somebody tonight. He said, I have a covenant if you believe. Now, you, you can choose to go the sight way, the senses way. And you can choose to, to upgrade to a higher level, the belief way. If you believe beyond what is happening around you. They said it's dead, it's thinking. But if you believe, glory is about to manifest. And when glory manifests, what is supposed to be dead, we start running all around the place. Because the Bible says concerning Jesus in Romans chapter 6 verse 4. He said he was raised. By what? The glory of God. Glory specializes in bringing the dead back to life. Tonight, I speak to every dead vision, every dead dream. I declare by the visitation of God's glory is coming alive. That agenda that you have, you have, you have, you've almost forgotten about because you think it will never come to pass. I speak as a prophet of God, as the glory of God invade your life in this, in this conference. I see that dream come alive. When glory comes in, what is supposed to be dead comes alive. But there is a, there's a condition there if you believe. Because believing is you aligning with the realm of God. God's mind is made up concerning what he wants to do in this season. But it needs people that we align with him through their faith. There's an alignment in your faith that allows you to experience what God is, is committed to doing. If you believe, you will see. If you believe, you will see. I'm not the one who see great things this, in this year 20. I'm prophesying over somebody. I'm not the one who see mighty things, supernatural things, miraculous things. You want to see things turn around. You want to see God flip things to flip situations around. He said, when the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, who are like them that dream. Our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with singing. Then they said among the hidden, the Lord. When the hidden is saying, the Lord has done 
for your glory. In other words, what God, what is about to happen in your, in your life, God is the only one that can do it. The hidden we say the Lord has done. People, people with that covenant, they will say, this must be that Lord that you're talking about. If you believe. So I want to, sh- you know, I want to share briefly on what I call creating a pathway for the glory. Creating a pathway for the glory. I'm not going to be teaching extensively, but I'm going to be mentioning a few things which I will need you to write down because I want you to go digest this after the conference. Don't worry, the elaborate speaker will come after me. I will just highlight. I'm for the highlights. He will do the elaborate speaking. If you believe, you will see how to develop what I call robust faith for glory. How to do what? Develop what? Robust faith for what? God's glory. Because Jesus made us to realize in John chapter 11 that it takes faith for glory to manifest. Glory does not just show up. It shows up because somebody is cooperating through faith. There's a participation of faith that makes glory manifest. When you fail in your participation, the agenda of God becomes frustrated. A few things the Lord put on my heart, I'm going to be running through them. The first thing is they increase the awareness of God's love for you. Ebo satire. You know, there's a song we all learn in, you know, in Sunday school. Jesus loves me. Yes, I know. We all know it, right? But you know, when, you, when, when a believer, somebody just gets saved, the awareness of God's love is kind of strong. But there's a way you grow out of it. Maybe you have grown out of it. I, need, I want to take you back to that place where you wake up and the first thing that fills you up is how much God loves you. You know, we're so quick to talk about, I love God, we got to love our neighbors. But listen, what makes you to love your neighbor as you should, and what makes you love God as you should, is the revelation of how much you are loved. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 1 says, be you followers, he said, be, he said, be you followers of God as their children, imitators of God, mimic God as what? Their children. How? You, to mimic means you know what that person is doing. There's a knowing of God's love that helps you to mimic God in love. First John chapter 4 verse 19 says, he said, we love him because he first loved us. So the knowing of what is love is so critical to your faith. You know, there's something about just waking up and being filled with the, with the revelation of how much you are loved. I'm loved by God. I believe his love. First John chapter 4 verse 16 says, we have known. Oh, some of you have graduated from that. You need to go back to that class. You need to go take that class of God loves you again. For God so loved me. Put your name there in John 3 16. He loves me. You're not perfect, but he loves you. In fact, if you want to do better things, you want to do greater things as a Christian, you first of all go back to the fact that he loves you. Lift up your hands and shout, he loves me. me. Come on, scream and say, he loves me. Because there's a knowledge of God's glory. I'm talking about revelation. I mean, there's a revelation of God's love that makes glory flow natural. You know, of all the disciples of Jesus, if there was anyone that stood out, it was the, the man by the name John. You know, everybody was talking about, I'm going to be the head of the, you know, the team. I'm going to die for you. But John was just satisfied being at his feet, putting his head on his bosom. 
a grown man acting like a baby in the presence of the master, soaking God's love. Do you know the phrase and the disciple Jesus loved can only be found in the book of John? And guess who was referring to? Himself. John chapter 19, verse 26. John chapter 20, verse 2. John chapter 21, verse, verse, verse 7. John chapter 21, verse 20. Four places. And the disciple that Jesus loved. What a title. It was not even, it was not sentimental. Some of you say, oh, don't put that. Look at my God offended. Because I don't care. Because as far as I'm concerned, if there's anything I know about him, I know he loves me. Lift up your hands and say, God loves me. There's an awareness of his love that creates a pathway for God's glory. Go back to that class. Never graduate from the class of you are loved by God. You know, there's something about a child growing up in a home where there's love, where she feels loved. It's difficult for any, any funny boy, especially if she's a girl. I mean, I call my, I have, I have just one girl, and I call her my girlfriend. At times she gets embarrassed. I don't care. I say, you are my girlfriend. You are my girlfriend. You, you're going to tell every man that wants, comes into your life before they can come in, I have a boyfriend. And that's me. I'm a boyfriend. I mean, it would be difficult for any boy to come around and say, you know, I love you. I've had it before. I love to put my hands around her and say, I still did the last Sunday when I went to visit her in school. So, hello, like girlfriend. She's my, she's almost my height now. My girlfriend. God loves me. Lift up your two hands and say, God loves me. Shout it again. Say, God loves me. Because it's the awareness of that love that actually translates to trust. The reason why a lot of us struggle to trust God is because we are not deep in love. The reason why a woman, a pretty woman from a nice home, rich family, we follow one boy whose pants is not even reaching the shoes, who is like, he's a work in progress, and I say, I don't remember you. It's love. It does not make sense. Some of you here, when you go back to how you said yes, was I out of my mind? You didn't have anything, but love love covered your eyes. You could not see anything. So he's a good man. I love him. I love him. But before you could say I love him, you know, in most cases, he came after you, paid your attention, convinced you that he cares, and you received that love. And the love you received translated to trust. That's why the Bible says, faith works by love. I receive his love. You know, when you receive God's love, it's natural to walk in faith. That's one. Come on, scream it one more time. Say, God loves me. So, in this season of glory, we have to what? Increase the awareness of what? God's love for us. Assimilate it. I know you need to love people. You need to love God. But first of all, intake love. You can't give what you have not received. A lot of people are trying to give love, but the question is, they don't even have revelation of love. Feed on his love so that you can give love to your generation. When your reservoir of love is full, then you can dispense it easily. Two. Two. The second thing I want to share with you is the fact that you must master your identity. Write it down. Master your identity. The first thing is Increase your awareness of God's love. Master your identity. Do you know you? Now, when I'm talking about you, I'm not talking about your flesh. Your flesh is not you. 
you are made in the image and likeness of God. And God is a spirit according to John chapter 4 verse 24. So when I say, do you know you, I'm asking you, do you know your spirit? Your spirit is as rich as Jesus. First Corinthians chapter 6 verse 17 says, he that is joined with the Lord is one with him. All the resources of heaven has been connected to your spirit. That's you. Second Corinthians chapter 5 verse 17 says, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. A species that has never existed before. Not a refurbished product. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3 says, you are blessed with all spiritual blessings. Not most spiritual blessings. All spiritual blessings. You have been blessed with it. You are loaded. Hey, you are loaded. So when you are walking, the whole heaven is like, boy, that's loaded. That's a loaded creature. You are a loaded product. You are the best product ever. Do you know you? You know what? That's why Paul will write to the church in Corinth. He said, know ye not that you are the temple of God. I remember growing, growing up in Nigeria. Whenever you are moving from maybe a school to another school or you are moving from a class to another class, your parents, they have a talk with you, a pep talk before you leave home the first day of the class. And they will say, they say remember the song. I don't know if you have had that class before. Remember the son of whom you are. Ladies and gentlemen, as a believer, never forget you. Greater is he, especially in a season like this that they are spreading all this corona nonsense all over the place. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You know, we take all the precautions against corona, but if corona mistakenly cross around, we will crush him. Did you hear me? Did I even use him for it? It. We will crush it. I remember John Jean Lake several years ago. He went, to, he went to South Africa as a missionary. At the time that there was a plague, people were being killed and there was no care for it. And John Jean Lake wanted to prove it to people. You know, they were scared what he was doing. He was ministering to the people that were dying and they were like, can't you catch it? They said, I can't catch it. And he proved to the, to the doctors, the, the, the medical team that were around that, 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 that he could not touch him. He said, you know, one of the people, one of the, one of the, one of the, one of the dead cops is cool. I mean, the foam that, that was in his mouth that definitely contained the jam, he scooped it out and he put it on his finger and he asked them to, put, to bring their, their, what you call it, microscope. He said, come look at it. This is documented. And as they were looking at it, they realized as those things were touching his, arm, his hand, they were dying instantly. That is you. You have the life of God. Lift up your hands and shout, I have the life of God. <laughs> As the father has life in himself, so has he given to the son. And you, you are called the son. You are not a lesser son. You are a son in the order of Jesus. You are not a servant in the order of Moses. You are a son in the, carry yourself with dignity. The mere fact that we are serving in the kingdom does not mean we have lost us. We are sons. We have authority. Whatever we bind on earth is bound in heaven. We know us. Because that's how glory flows, especially in a time like this. Don't ever forget yourself. Remind yourself of who you are. I encourage people. I say, before you, especially now, if you can break bread, do communion seven times a day, do it. Gather your family around and say, let's take communion. Because each time you take communion, you remind yourself you are a member of the body of the anointed one. The body removing yoke, destroying power of God runs through your vein. You are untouchable. You are unhurtable. You are, I mean, you are too much undefeatable. Do you know you? Carry you in your minds. I'm one with Christ. I'm blessed with all. 
I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Boy, God loves me. Three. Don't ever forget you. Three. Read your consciousness of every sense of condemnation. I know. You know, religion will tell you at this time, start asking for the forgiveness of your sin. That's not the spirit of God. So start asking, say, 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 oh, this thing, Lord, forgive me. Oh, you know, the hidden sin, the exposed sin. The, will you stop all that nonsense? Either knew no sin was made to be seen, that you might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Wearing sin consciousness on your mind does not make you holier. It reduces you. You are forgiven. Put your faith in the blood of Jesus. If God says you are this, it's because of the blood that Jesus shed. Now, your duty is to now put faith in what Jesus accomplished. Rather than making it about your accomplishments. You are not forgiven by your effort. You are forgiven by faith in his sacrifice. Let me just show you one more scripture before I jump to the next point. Romans chapter 3 verse 25. Are, we, are you getting something out of this? Romans chapter 3 verse 25. Romans chapter 3 and verse 25. You are forgiven because of what Jesus did. Not because of what you do. Romans 3, verse 25. Are you there? It says, whom God, referring to Jesus, has set forth as a propitiation, sacrifice by his blood, through faith, to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance, God has passed over the sins that were previously committed. So what made God to accept you is not your effort, but the blood. So your own contribution is faith in the blood. Lift up your toes and shout, I've got faith. Get on your feet and shout, say, I've got faith in the blood of Jesus. I'm not under condemnation. I'm not a sinner. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So when you say you are the righteousness, you are not just saying I'm the righteousness of God in you. No, in Christ Jesus. Is because of the blood. I wear the blood on my mind. Ladies and gentlemen, you will never be able to walk in faith if you wear your sin. So can you change your wears? Move from your sin to his blood. Stop wearing you. Oh, I didn't do well yesterday, Lord. Should I come into your presence? That's naughty. There's now no condemnation to them that in Christ Jesus. Am I trying to encourage you to misbehave? No. In fact, the way to stop misbehaving is by wearing Jesus. When you wear you and your performance and your, your, your duties, your effort, ladies and gentlemen, you realize you will never be enough. I've got something for you tonight. Christ is enough. So don't you say, wear Christ. Don't wear you. Don't wear your efforts. Don't wear your weaknesses. Don't wear your limitation. Wear Jesus. He has been set forth as a propitiation. True faith in his blood. Not in your effort. Because a lot of us is faith in our effort. I'm trying. God knows. You will never try enough. That's why he said you come boldly to the throne of grace, not the throne of merit. 
I remember 32 years ago when I entered school of pharmacy. You know, I was one of those pompous jambites in Nigeria then because I was, I made the marriage, you know, I made a cut off. Just enter pharmacy, no need to talk to any professor, and it felt good. But to my surprise, two, three weeks into the semester, there were people in my class that scored less than 50 marks of what I scored. Their names was not on the general list, but their names came through what is called this list. And they don't even paint, they don't paste this list, but that list is a sure list. As far as God is concerned, he said, I've got a special list for you. Because you know me, you're on that list. So we come to the throne of grace. Grace, unmerited favor. So don't bring your merit. Since you are coming, you know all this Lord I've been serving, you have been giving to Victory House, so bless me. It's the wrong way to pray, to pray. The reason why God blesses you is because of Jesus primarily. Whatever you have done, is because of Jesus. And whatever you have done can never outweigh what Jesus did. Now, if you have the resume of Jesus and you have your resume, which one do you think is better? Why come with your resume? They have done this, I've done that. Now, can you compare what you have done since you've been born again to what Jesus did 2,000 years ago? So pocket what you have done. Thank God for your good works. But when it comes to coming into the presence of God, don't come with your Resume, your resume will fail you. You will come to his holy presence with a pure hands. You, you have to come by Jesus. So his true faith in his blood. Say after me, say, my faith. Say loud and clear, say, my faith is in Jesus and his blood. If that's where your faith is, come on, shout hallelujah. hallelujah. We're talking about creating the pathway for what? God's glory. For reset. Reset. You know, yesterday, you know, if you want to summarize all I did, it was more of talking about reset. You got to reset. Because the way you are set is what determines, the way you are set in your mind is what determines the direction of your life. Yesterday, I used the analogy of, of, of a thermostat, how a thermostat can literally set a room. As small as that device is, it controls the eating system. If you, if no matter how powerful your eating system, if you set the thermostat wrongly, you will not enjoy the benefits of the eating system. That's how powerful your mind is. That's why Paul wrote to the church in Romans chapter 12, verse 1. He said, I beseech you by the mercies of God that you should not be what conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. So it's either you are conformed or transformed. And to be conformed is to be deformed. Be transformed. The word transformed there is from the Greek word metamorpho. From which the English word metamorphosis, there's a gradual change that comes when you allow God to reset your mind by his word. You pull down the negative strongholds and you now construct a correct mindset that is aligned to the covenant and the promise of God for your life. Then there's something called imagination. Ladies and gentlemen, this is one of the areas that we have to master in this season. This is a season of innovation. God is looking for Christians that will master the art of imagination. Because God can only deliver by your imagination. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 11 verse 6 concerning a bunch of people whose agenda was contrary to God's will. He said whatsoever they have imagined 
in their hearts will not be constrained from them. In spite of the fact that God did not sign that project. He made us to realize that I designed man to create whatever he imagines. You know, a lot of us focus on using our mind based on what happened in the past. But there's a use of your mind to create your future. And you have the best material in the word of God. You know, in Genesis chapter 15, when God was trying to get something across to Abraham, and Abraham was not getting it. Genesis chapter 15, if you start reading from verse 1, God showed up. He said, I'm the almighty God. You know, do, do not be afraid. I'm your shield and your exceeding great reward. You know, God said everything he wanted to say. Run it further down. <laughs> Guess what Abraham said? He said, but I'm still without a child. Hey. So God was speaking and Abraham was not seeing it. He said, with all the promises you have said, I don't have a child. I can't see what you are saying. I'm without a child. And if I die childless, this servant of mine is going to inherit everything. Guess what God did? If you go further down in verse 4 thereabout, you will see how God took Abraham outside. You know, in verse 4, he said, Behold, the word of the Lord came to him. He said, This one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body. I don't know what impossible situation you are dealing with. And God is saying it will still happen. God is not changing his mind. He said, I'm still going to do what I've promised. He said, it will come from what? Your own body shall be your hair. Verse 5 now says something. It says, then he brought him outside and said, look now towards heaven and count the stars if you are able to number them. Do you know what was God was doing? He was engaging his imagination. I tell people, I said, any job that will not allow you to imagine is from the pit of hell. You are too busy. You just walk, 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 walk. God is a God of visions and dreams. There are things he wants you to capture. You know, what he has, I don't know who I'm talking to tonight, but God says there's an engagement I need you to participate in. I have an ongoing project. I need the people that will subscribe to this project. God himself brought Abraham out. And now what did he do? He said, count the stars. One, two, three, four, five. He was engaging his imagination. And says, so shall your seed be. And the next verse, and Abraham believed God. Hallelujah. Can you see? Until his imagination was engaged, his faith could not be engaged. The engagement of your faith will require the involvement of your imagination. Don't allow your imagination to just run everywhere. Ah, coronavirus. I hope it won't touch my last child. Will you stop that nonsense? Imagine your future full of prosperity. Imagine your children growing like, a, like, like, growing like olive tree round about your table. Imagine you heading a company. Imagine you, you know, driving your Tesla. I'm not really love to drive a Tesla. Oh, you know, you know, maybe you are not fond of Tesla. Any car you like, just imagine yourself driving there and, you know, living in the best neighborhood. Who told you it cannot be achieved? If your imagination can capture it in line with the dream of God for your life, it's possible. And that's one of the reasons why God will bring people around you that will allow your imagination to be raised. Because the problem with some of, our, some of us is that our imagination is too low. Low thinkers. If God will just do something moderate for me. Now to him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly. And you are asking for moderate. That's a disappointment. He said the heavens, even the heavens are the Lord. 
and the heart has it given. The heart has it given. Psalm 115, verse 16. The heart, he gave you the whole heart to the children of men. And you only pick one small part. He said, just give me that little part. You are not holy. It's mediocrity. There's a difference between humility and humiliation. So, you know, I'm not greedy. That's not being greedy. That's being selfish. Because you're only thinking about yourself. That's why you picked a small part. But God is looking for people that he can use as distribution channels. The reason why God is going to bless you is not because he just wants you to live in a seven-bedroom mansion, mansion. How many rooms can you sleep in a day? Don't worry. Very soon you will get to where I am. All of your children have left home. Even your big house, you begin to look at it. Okay, don't you think we should sell this house? That was a discussion my wife and I had to have a few months ago. It's too big. So it's not, it's not who's talking about you. God will bless you because he's thinking about people he wants to help. And he cannot come down. He, has, he needs people that will be God for his glory on earth. But you have to raise imagination to accommodate his dream. Why will he start talking to Joseph at a young age? Giving him dreams bigger than him. Dreams that he himself did not understand. His brothers hated him, hated him because of it. His own father said, hmm. <laughs> You say that. You're saying your father, your mother, and all of us will bow down. But guess what? He was bigger than Joseph. God had projected into a future, a future where he will need a seed to preserve a generation. He sent him ahead of his brother and his whole, his whole, his whole clan because he will be needed. God has a huge dream and he's looking for people who he can trust with that dream, that they will imagine according to that dream. It's not because they want to become celebrity or famous, but it's because God has an agenda. But their imagination must be engaged. Can you lay your hands on your head? Say, I declare. If I get on your field, I feel the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Say, I declare that every obstruction in the way of imagination that is consistent with God's dream for my life is taken out of the way. Every stronghold is pulled down. Every contrary imagination is cast down. And I declare my thoughts align to the agenda of God for my generation. If you believe that, shout hallelujah. You may be seated. The way you think is important. God wants big thinkers. People that can accommodate his thoughts, especially in this decade. Because God told me, he said, the greatest innovation are yet to be seen. This coronavirus, you will see what it will lead to. The devil, I didn't know. The devil is so stupid. He doesn't learn from the past. He's not smart. His intelligence has not increased. I didn't know what, I'm speaking as a prophet of God, what will come out of this present affliction. I didn't know the devil will say, I wish I had not released corona. Because a generation will arise with creativity and innovation in every industry, in medicine, in technology, in different fields. If I were you, you will claim your mountain right now. Uh, <laughs> a generation with creativity of the Holy Ghost, not by power, not by mind, but by my spirit. A generation that will see by revelation, they will see the future, they will capture the future, they will run by God's agenda. Are you that generation? But God needs big thinker. Not people that will shy away from big dreams and say, no, no, me, no, me. Who is talking about you? Get out of yourself, my friend. It's a, gen, it's a dream for a generation. God is not just looking for people that can contain it, that can carry his dream. 
people like Joshua, people like Caleb, people that will not melt just because of opposition, people that will say, the strength I had 45 years ago is still with me. Let's go take the mountain. Somebody shout hallelujah. Come on, are you getting something out of this? Don't you never say reset for your future. My boss is out here, so I have to run now. Focus on Jesus. Focus on Jesus. Do you know, one of our problems is that we have too many distractions. But do you know Jesus is that kind of drug that kills everything. I remember growing up in Nigeria, you know, some of those drugs, they advertise headache, infertility, insomnia, menstrual pain. Everything, you will cure it. One drug, one drug fixes all. I've got something for you. Jesus is that drug. You know, in Luke chapter 24, there's a story told of two disciples in a state of confusion because they thought their world has crashed just because Jesus was crucified, not realizing it was the beginning of a new era. Could it be that somebody is going through crucifixion right now, not realizing that there's a glory waiting for him in resurrection? You're like, oh boy, I'm finished. And God said, you are just starting. Mm. So Jesus joined their confusion to help them. He joined their conversation. And he said, what's going on? He said, are you dumb? Don't you know what is happening in Israel? How Jesus, our boss, got arrested and got killed? Luke 24, all down. And the Bible says that Jesus began, the first thing he did, he withdrew the ability to see him in the flesh. Some of you are asking, if you can just see Jesus physically, your life will change. Not necessarily. Because Jesus is meant to be primarily seen through the pages of the scripture. Can we rise up and celebrate God's gift as he walks in? <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, sir. You may be seated. Let me just round up my bosses here. So Jesus, he, he withheld the ability to see him in the natural because he wanted them to see him in the supernatural through revelation. And how did he do it? He began to expound things concerning himself from verse 25 all the way to verse 32. Do you know what they said in verse 32 when they eventually now knew it was Jesus physically? He said, did our hearts not born within us? And how did their hearts burn? By looking at Jesus through revelation. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, it says, as we behold us in the glass, the glory of the Lord, we are changed into the same image from glory to glory, for your glory, for his glory. There's a generation that God is about to raise, and they're going to be raised just by focusing on Jesus. Hey, we have enough syllables in Jesus. You know, ladies and gentlemen, there's no motivational material that can substitute Jesus. Thank God, one of my sons that does a lot of musical speaking is here. He's known for that. But he knows it. Jesus is the primary solution. Somebody has a demon, you are trying to motivate him. You have to first of all cast out the demon before he can be motivated. If you don't want to end up motivating the demon. <laughs> Somebody say, Jesus. Come on, scream and say, Jesus is the solution. I don't know where you are looking at and say, if I can only get married, marriage is not your solution. So if I can only get a job, job is not a solution. And if I start having children, children are not your solution. They can even stress you for that. But there's something about Jesus, the finisher, the author of your faith. The Bible says, looking unto, take your eyes off everything. Some of you got married and you stop looking at Jesus. Hey, my husband, my wife, care over yourself. In fact, what you call marriage 
Can I break it down for you? It's just to give you an image of the real thing. The real thing is going to be between you and Jesus. Now you now got distracted by the type and the shadow. The real thing that you are supposed that you're going to spend eternity with, you relegated in because you met a man or you met a woman. How dumb. Looking unto Jesus. I'm looking for a generation that will fall in Jesus, will fall, fall in love with Jesus all over again. For your glory. Full of revelation. Just by seeing Jesus all the time in the morning. The power of God, the wisdom of God, everything you need is in Him. It's a solution for all generations. It's syllables that is ever relevant. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, the glory of God is strong in this house. I'm not going to read the rest. Release power by agreeing with Jesus in your words. Very simple. Stop talking anyhow. Respect yourself. Speak what is consistent with your covenant. Death and life and the power of the tongue. All this opening your mouth and talking nonsense. Just because of how you feel or what somebody reported on the news. Stop it. If your covenant does not say it, it has no business coming out of your mouth. Mark chapter 11 verse 23. Whosoever shall say, shall have whatsoever he says. Do you know where you are now is a product of what you are saying? And what you are saying now is what is going to determine where you are going. Your words travel faster than you. On a daily basis, you walk into a world created by your words. If you can't say it, you can't have it. You have what you say. Well, how many have I given you now? Six, seven. Rest. Stay free from anxiety. If there's anything you can accommodate in this season, it's anxiety. Hey, let me give you just one scripture. Gen Jeremiah chapter 17. Jeremiah chapter 17. I believe verse 8. Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 8. It talks about blessed is the man. Jeremiah 17, verse 8. Is it? The latter part says, but his leaf will be green and will not be anxious in the year of drought. That should be your team scripture. I will not be anxious in this season. He said, in the year of drought. In spite of what is going on all around the world, I will not, oh, if 250 people died overnight in Italy, I will not be anxious. Be anxious for nothing. The enemy can't touch you if there's no anxiety. Be anxious for nothing. The moment you lose your rest, you lose your capacity to receive from God. Because God releases when you are rested. I rest in God. Masutababa. Thou shalt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. So God's ability to keep is determined by your ability to stay. When you stay on him, he keeps you. So could it be there are a lot of things God would have loved to do, but he cannot do because you will not let him do because of your unrest. Tonight, I arrest every unrest in your life. All this, your mind traveling everywhere. What is good? What's your business? Just focus on Jesus. Rest. They said, five loaves and two fishes is all we've got. And we have 5,000 men. He said, tell them to sit down. Sit down. All this, your mind all over the place. He keeps you when you keep your mind on him. Be calm. You stay calm. It will come to you. All this agitation in the flesh is not going to take you anywhere. Hey, 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 we're going to do... You, are, you can't do anything. Just rest. Have you noticed that anytime you're looking for something, for as long as you're agitated, you won't find it. 
But when you stop the agitation, it will come to you. The Holy Spirit functions better in an atmosphere of rest. He wants to give you direction, but you are too much in an unrest state. So you can't speak. Your mind is all over the place. Rest. In fact, take your mind off that key you are looking for. And all of a sudden, you just, has it happened to you before? All of a sudden, your memory is quickened and you know where, where you left it. Oh, I gotta do this. Hey, I must do it. It's a lie. Rest. Two more and I'm done. Rejoice. Rejoice. Okay, I love what Philippians chapter 4, verse 4 says. It says, Rejoice in the Lord. Again, I say, Rejoice. If you didn't hear it the first time, I'm saying it again. Rejoice. Isaiah chapter 12, verse 3. It says, With, it says, With joy, you withdraw waters from the well of salvation. God's well is loaded, but you can only draw with joy. If you don't have, I remember growing up in Nigeria, there's something called Doro. Joy is your dolo. You draw it. Several years ago, Jerry Savage said, if the devil cannot steal your joy, he can't keep your goods. I don't care what he has stolen from you. Stay in joy. He will return it. Frustrate the devil when he expects you to be depressed and dejected and distressed. Maintain your joy. <laughs> he said, count it all joy when you fall into divers of trials and temptation. Divers, different kinds. Multiple types. Yes, second is all joy. It just says through a party. Through a party. How can I rejoice? It's a function of my recreated human spirit. I have the capacity. I don't need to wait for something to happen to be joyful. There's a capacity in my spirit. I stir it up. I rejoice. And lastly, engage the greater one in you. How can you have the one that created the whole world. Will now move. You know, if God takes you to heaven today, you will see Jesus, you will see the Father. If you ask for the Holy Ghost, he will say, it's not here. Say, where is he? He's in you. He moved into you. He's resident in you. And you now ignore. God looks at you and says, you will need a companion for this, for this, for this art. And you release the third party of God. He said, go and stay with them until the end of the art. And he now moved within you. And you now ignore the Allah's Paracletos, the one that comes alongside with you to help you in all things. He said, we show you things to come. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God. Ladies and gentlemen, as I close tonight, if there's any engagement you need more than any other engagement, it's the engagement of the greater one in you. In this season, stop living like a regular Christian. Live like a supernatural Christian. He says, he quickens your ear to hear. He wants to speak. Your capacity to download and follow is what we set you apart in this season. There's an engagement you need for his glory. I don't know if you want to see the glory of God. You're going you're gonna to engage the spirit. Thank God. You, know, you know, that's why praying in other tongues is so important. He said, for, 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 so for, for with stammering limbs and another tongue, will I speak? So when you are praying in tongues, you are not just talking, he's speaking. He said, will I speak? I tell people one of the ways to develop the capacity to hear from God is by praying in tongues. Because when every time you pray in tongues, he's speaking. He said, will I speak? My sheep, they hear my voice. And the voice of a stranger, they will not follow. If you follow these nine things, you will see glory dimension. That will beat your imagination. A generation that is about to exceed the, the, the expectation of the previous generation is about to be unleashed for his glory. God bless you.